Thanks. Well, before the little ones leave, I just want to say thank you to those of you who have made it a point to take care of the little ones during this time, every week, to build into their lives from the Word of God, which will have its reward in their lives and in yours. Thank you. And I say that not to put you guys on the spot, but because that's what the message is about, and you're just some examples of what's going on around here, so thank you. Dave, you may not believe it, John, but I actually have made a PowerPoint. It has three slides. It's called uh, Living Stones. And that's amazing because I just found out yesterday at about 4.30 in the afternoon that I'd be delivering this message. But God, being good, has put something on my heart for a while now. So putting it together was easy from my perspective a snap from God's perspective. And let's pray together so that I don't become proud and think that I've got this all together, because I don't. Um, Father, thank you for... Well, I want to thank you for a lot of things, uh, some of which is the privilege you give us to declare your glory. Uh, to recount all the things you've done. As I read through the Old Testament, as I read through Psalms, praise to you goes out for the things that you've done for Israel, for us. And it's amazing that, yeah, you are who you are. And if you had done nothing, you would still be worthy of praise. But from our perspective, we see the things you do and we marvel at them and at the God who is behind them. Scripture teaches that everything you've made declares your praise. And we join in and ask that you continue through the delivery of this message to bring honor to yourself. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who you gave to be the payment for our sin. In his name we ask this. Amen. I find that for me, it's easy for me to understand complicated ideas if I'm actually involved in living those things out in my daily life. Let me give you an example of what I mean. How hard is it to run a marathon? Okay, I will entertain answers from anyone who has done it. Anybody here run a marathon? No. No. 
Really? Yeah. That's amazing. It took it's a, one year of practice. One year of practice. She knows better than any of us what it takes to run a marathon. She has lived out those complex ideas in her daily life for a year leading up to it. There's a book. C25K is the title of it. C25K. It stands for Couch to 5K. What it takes to plan from sitting on your couch to running a 5K run. C to 5K. I have no idea what it would be to C to 26.3, whatever it is. So it's hard for me to comprehend the idea of what it takes to run a marathon. All the hard work, the training, the pain, the dedication, the dietary changes, which I'm telling you right now, I ain't going there. (laughs) But if we were, if I was training for a marathon and actually living out the requirements, that is doing the hard work, you know, of getting up in the morning at some unhuman hour, like maybe 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning, who knows? Some of us understand that part already. But getting up in the morning, doing the hard work, putting our shoes on, getting out the door, pounding the pavement, ah, training our bodies, beating our bodies into submission, actually experiencing the joint pain, the shin splints, the nausea that comes from overexertion, if we had experienced all of those things, and we were so incredibly dedicated to forcing ourselves to run for more than 26 miles, if we had actually changed our diet, which ain't going to happen, we would understand what running a marathon means better than we do by just thinking about it and living our normal daily routines. That is what you have been doing. Not, I don't mean living your daily routines and putting aside the hard work. No, what I mean is you have been doing the hard work. Not for running a marathon. But in the last few months, you have been doing the things that make the church the body of Christ. Amen. Living as living stones a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. You have actually been turning your lives into spiritual sacrifices. And I want to thank you and commend you for doing that. You know who you are, and I think we all are that. So next slide, please. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 7a. That's our primary passage this morning. So I'd like to read it to you. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 7a. I'm in 2 Peter. If I read 2 Peter 4, it wouldn't make any sense. 
First Peter 2. So you can be looking it up if you want to read with me. Of course it is right on the screen behind me. First Peter 2, 4. And coming to him as living stones, which is just a weird thing to me. How can stones be coming anywhere? But let me read it straight through and then I'll get to that kind of commentary. Coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. And we can stop there because I'm talking about us who believe. He goes on to say, but for those who don't believe, we're not talking about them. We're talking about us. So I want to go back and, and, and look at some of these crazy things, like living stones. He's a living stone. We are living stones. It says it right there. in those. In it. But th- that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, stones don't live. Isn't this the whole thing that in the Old Testament God rebuked Israel about, saying, you make for yourself idols out of wood and stone. They can't walk, they can't move, they don't have hands, their eyes can't see, their mouth can't speak, their hand cannot deliver. Living stone. Living stones. There's this place in Death Valley. Where, and you can look it up later. <clears throat> you can look it up later. But there's this place in Death Valley where there are stones out on salt flats. And they move. Just, they move. They leave trails as to where they've been. But it's not because they're alive. It's because there are all these vibrations in the ground and it's kind of scooting them along as it's going. It's almost imperceptible to human beings, but it happens and the stones move. But stones don't move on their own. Stones are not alive. I'd I'd like to say dead, but that implies that they might have been alive at one time. So stones are not alive. They don't move. They don't do awesome things. Stones do not get together and pile themselves up one on top of another in order to form a house or an edifice. Stones do not move themselves about and do great things like sacrifice for others. Stones do not offer themselves. They're just there. They're inanimate. 
They're just rocks. And yet, God refers to himself as the rock of our salvation. That's pretty cool. But it doesn't mean he's dead and inanimate. It means he's the foundation. Just as Jesus is the cornerstone on which the church is built. And this amazing passage of scripture, I'm just going to keep reading. And concerning him, we came to him, that is to Christ, in 2 Peter 2, or 1 Peter 2, 4. We came to him as to a living stone. Something permanent, something immovable, yet, in this case, alive. He was rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, don't go scooting around in the desert, although you might, You are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I see that through Jesus Christ and I ask myself this question. Is it through Jesus Christ that I'm being built up? Because that's one of the verbs there, right? Is it through Jesus Christ that I've become part of a holy priesthood? Is it through Jesus Christ that I offer up spiritual sacrifices? Or is it through Jesus Christ that we are made acceptable to God? Those are all the possibilities in that passage. And I believe that the answer to every one of those questions is yes. It is through Jesus Christ that those things happen. But there's more to that. Because later in verse 6 and verse 7 it says, He who believes in him will not be disappointed. The priests in the Old Testament were descended from Aaron, from Levi, a particular branch of the priests through Aaron. But the priests in the Old Testament were descended from Levi. But so what? So what? All the Jews are descended from Abraham. And Jesus said about the Jews, don't think that just because you're descended from Abraham, that's something special. God could raise from these stones children to Abraham. So being descended from Levi is important. Being a priest is important. But it's only important if you behave in a priestly manner. I mean, trust God. That the things you're doing. I mean, what did the priests do? They took care of the temple. 
They're the ones who came by on Friday night or Saturday afternoon and cleaned up so that service would be going along well on Sunday. Well, in their economy, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But it doesn't matter. They're the ones who greeted people at the gate. They're the ones who inspected the sacrifices. They are the ones, the priests are the ones who actually received the sacrifices. The priests are the ones who made atonement for the people and brought the sacrifices of the people and presented them to God. That's what priests do. And we are a priesthood. That's what it says right there. We are a priesthood because I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how this works. I'm just reading it and seeing it and laying it out for you. Because we're living stones. We're living stones. But we need to understand, you know, there's a lot of stones in the world. Michelangelo did not choose every stone to carve into a statue. He chose stones. For whatever reason he had, he chose big slabs of marble to turn into incredible statues, works of art that display the natural world, and God's fingerprint on the world. And this chief cornerstone is a choice stone. It was chosen by the Father. This one, Jesus Christ, chosen, begotten, sent by the Father. And we likewise are chosen stones. He brought life to the world. And he sent us to be the butter knife that spreads the peanut butter of life across the bread of the world. That's who we are as living stones. We are doing that. Jesus said this. You've seen me do, now I'm kind of paraphrasing here. You've seen me do some incredible things. You will do greater. How can that be? Anybody here raised the dead? I mean, he did. No? Maybe metaphorically, maybe spiritually speaking. We've raised the dead by presenting the gospel and bringing new life to someone who had never known Jesus Christ and came to him and unloaded their sin like a sacrifice on the altar of his cross so that he could bring to them the life that was in his blood. So maybe, spiritually speaking, we've raised the dead but come on, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, he said it in a loud voice. He commanded it. Lazarus, come forth. I haven't done that. 
I haven't said Billy Bob come to life. I haven't done that. But Jesus said greater works than these will you do. And how does that happen? How does that happen? Open your Bibles to Ephesians 4. John, next slide. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. He, and again, you can look this up later, this time not in Google, but you can look it up earlier in the book of Ephesians. He, the he referred to here is Jesus Christ. It is not the Holy Spirit. It is not God the Father. It is God the Son, Jesus Christ. He gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Greater works than these will you do because you're living stones. What greater works? I believe that this encapsulates the greater works. They're not all contained in here. But I believe that this passage tells us how the greater works come about. Now, combine this with passages from Romans and Corinthians, and that would be things that were given by God the Holy Spirit, who was given by God the Father. And if we combine all of those passages together... Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and have this big picture of how stones move about, are chosen to be implanted in the building that God is making. The body that Jesus is putting together, if we understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the gift that Jesus Christ made each one of us to be to the body, then we start to get an idea of a really complicated process that's kind of like running a marathon. 
See, because I know because I just said all of these things and we're wondering how do they all go together. It's a really big idea. It's kind of big like the idea of running a marathon. And nobody really gets that until they're living in the middle of all the pain in the knees and hips yeah, and the, the pulled tendons and sore muscles and cramps and the silly high fiber diets and, and you know and all those things um, you know we don't get it until we're in the middle of it not as well you know we can think about it and imagine it but we don't get it like we do when we're in the middle of it but I want to tell you you get it you get it I know you get it because I have watched you as a body pull together and every person as the Spirit has led come about and make the ministry continue in this place. You are caring for one another in ways you didn't know. In ways that were happening before in little measure, but now are happening in big measure. Nobody sits at that desk back in the office all day long and makes sure the communication happens. But it happens. Nobody is sitting in that one office in the back over there preparing the sermon every week, uh, trying to guide how things are going, trying to... uh, put together, you know, a memorial service. Nobody's sitting in that room every day doing those things, and yet those things are getting done. Those things are getting done because the body of Christ is working. That means you. Uh, Look at that Ephesians 4 passage again. Okay, he gave some and he lists people. These are not abilities. These are people. I mean, if you go back and look at it, it's just obvious that he's talking about people. There are people here who function as apostles, he's saying, because Jesus Christ put them in your midst. Some who function as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and there's teachers. There are also counselors and encouragers. There are also those who edify, those who serve. There are those who run the children's ministry every Sunday. There are those who clean the bathrooms just before the services on Saturday or Friday or whatever. There are those who run small groups. There are those who run Bible studies. There are those who... There is she who runs women's ministry. I mean, there's every, everything that happens here happens because you do them. What's that? Uh, yeah, there are those who cut the grass. Uh, a lot of those who cut the grass, but not enough. You're welcome, Gary. Uh, and thank you, Laura. That's exactly right. These things go on. And it has been, for me, 
a joy to see it happen over the last few months as I have sat back and not engaged these things on a deeper level. And I have not, you need to understand, I have not because the pastoral search team is doing its, its job. And it is not appropriate for somebody to step up until they're done doing their job. It's wrong. But what is always right is when the body of Christ functions as the body of Christ. And it's amazing to see. It's a blessing. I am moved to the point of tears over it. Another thing I see is that there are those who are intercessors. And Christ has put them in this body. And they meet here on Sunday morning. And they meet in small groups. And they pray at their own bedside with their spouse. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And the things we're enjoying now, we're enjoying because the intercessors intercede. The prayer warriors fight. The servants serve. The lawnmowers mow. (laughs) The toilet cleaners swirl and flush. The small group members bear one another's burdens. It's great. It's really great. I kind of don't want a new senior pastor. Because I want this to go on. This is, this is a beautiful thing. this is approaching more and more every day, not there yet, but approaching more and more every day, Jesus' vision of what the body is. It's every one of us doing their part. Maybe overlapping a little, but nobody... Yeah, there is somebody being the director. It's the Holy Spirit. And each of us seeing a need not being met is stepping into the place that the Holy Spirit has made us to fill. That's exactly what spiritual gifts are all about. And the Holy Spirit does not want the credit for that. Scripture gives it to him, but he turns it all back on Jesus. A choice stone. Think of this. The image in 1 Peter. We are being built into something. A spiritual household. 
I have to grab this because, not because I'm weeping, but because it's allergy season. Thank you. We are being built into this temple. And the Holy Spirit is choosing stones. Each one of us a choice stone. As he builds this fellowship, he will be out in the world selecting stones to put into the building. And more and more, this living building of living stones of you and me as we come together and interlock the way that stones in a building interlock, we will together do greater things. Greater in number. And I believe greater in influence for the kingdom. Why? Because Jesus said this, It's really for your benefit that I go away. Wouldn't it be awesome to have Jesus as our pastor? He did not think so. He had a church. But he said this, It's for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go, the Father won't send the Helper, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be the pastor has to be the guy. I mean, pastor, that's a word. That's an office that, you know, we kind of created. God has shepherd in mind when he says pastor. Okay. Shepherd guides and protects. The shepherd leads to green pastures, but the sheep eat. And the sheep, you know, in this case, no metaphor is perfect, no illustration perfectly satisfies, but in this case, the building is built up by the living stones through the agency of the Holy Spirit by the will of the Father through the work of Jesus Christ. It's all there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and you the living stone, all there. And if we choose to lie around like, okay, I could say slugs, right? But that's not it. Like lifeless stones. And the work of the priesthood never gets done. We are the priests. We are the priests. We're the ones meeting the people at the gate. We're the ones guiding them into the prepared building. We're the ones receiving from them a sacrifice and carrying it to the altar of the throne of heaven. It's us looking out for each other the way that you've been doing it for months. And it's a beautiful thing. And in a lot of ways, 
I don't want anybody or anything to get in the way of that. Isn't it amazing that stones are dead, but they can be combined into things that we marvel at? Things of beauty? Things that declare all kinds of stuff. I mean, we look at mountains and we think the grandeur of God on display. We look at statues and we think, what an incredible artistic talent to create this thing that brings out of us an emotional reaction and ideally points that overwhelming of emotion to the ultimate creator of all things. Stones do that. Architects take stones and build them into incredible edifices that point to heaven, that express deep thoughts and concerns. Stones are very expressive in the right hands. And that's really where I wanted to leave it today. Is there an application? Maybe you can think of one. Maybe God will bring one to your mind throughout the week. Maybe it's just in submitting ourselves to the urgings of the Holy Spirit. You know, that little thing where you go like, well, there's something that should happen here, and I think that's it, but I'm going to do this instead. This is a perfect opportunity too, but I'm going to. So maybe the application is just in listening to that voice, the guiding of the Holy Spirit that says, you know the right thing to do. This is what you should do. This is the way to go. But maybe the application is just the fact that we here together now recognize that it's God at work in us through the Holy Spirit by the blood of Christ. And we just return the praise to him and saying, Father, how great it is to live as the body of Christ, to care for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to forgive one another, to be hospitable to each other, to, I, the list goes on and on. Uh, every passage in scripture that says one another or each other or for each other. There's dozens of them. So let's do that. Let's just stand up and and thank God for being who he is in relation to us. And, And you know, normally at the end of the service, the pastor will stand up here and pray and say, okay, you're dismissed. Or give some kind of great benediction and say, This is the way. Walk in it for this week. But I want you to pray. Because you've been praying already anyway.
Let's just return honor to God for what he's doing here in this body for his name through this body. And then I'll, I'll wrap it up at the end. But you start. You just pray out loud. We'll all join you and say, Amen. And praise the Lord. And bless God. And may it be. And whatever else is appropriate. So go ahead.